Hey, it's Brian. Looking for your dream job in the sport industry? Have you ever imagined yourself as an athletics administrator, a game day event coordinator, or perhaps a general manager? You can be an all-star in any organization with a degree from East Stroudsburg University's COSMA accredited sport management program. Earn your undergraduate and graduate degrees with guidance from our experienced faculty, gain hands-on skills, meet industry professionals, and become part of a winning team. ESU has the only COSMA accredited graduate program in Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey. For more information, visit esu.edu slash smgt. One more time, esu.edu slash smgt. East Stroudsburg University, where warriors belong. Ooh, I like that. All right, let's start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. The idea of a sports startup isn't exactly new. There are fledgling agencies, marketing companies, tech companies, all popping up throughout the year. But what about a professional sports team that functions like a startup? The Seattle Kraken... And yes, I will be saying that name as often as possible over the next 45 minutes because I love it, are the latest darling of the NHL and the entire Pacific Northwest. But let's digest that for a second. December 2018, the NHL approves a proposal to grant Seattle an expansion NHL franchise. In any normal situation, it is then a mad dash to the start of that first season. There are stadium renovations to complete staffs to hire, teams to draft, and that is barely scratching the surface of all that needs to be done. It is the beginning of a huge franchise story, a startup business, brand new, everyone figuring out through some levels of trial and error what will work and what doesn't, and and what needs to be done. Now, for an NHL franchise like the Kraken, they are gathering the best, most experienced talent from around the world as part of their spunky little startup. So it's a little different than a new tech company like, say, last week's guest, Eric Stark, when he began Slate. But beginning something completely new with these types of challenges is incredibly difficult. And now layer in doing that during a pandemic. Today's guest, Allison Bickford, Director of Corporate Partnership Activation, has been with the Kraken since August 2019 but has yet to even meet many, if not most, of her fellow co-workers outside of Zoom. She's operating in a new city without the ability to really go look around and see the area. These are the challenges we deal with right now, and at least in theory, make us stronger. Right? I guess? I guess maybe I'm convincing myself there too? Anyway, buckle up. We're talking corporate partnerships, startup mentality, Pacific Northwest excitement, and more with Allison Bickford. A few weeks back, a fan of the show wrote in saying, Brian, you need to have a guest from the Seattle Kraken and Allison Bickford, you are it. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. I lived in Seattle for 10 years and it was during the time that the Sonics left town. And so I know how starving that sports town has been to add another team to that market, right? So people were heartbroken then. 
I'm guessing now there's a pretty palpable excitement. People are thrilled to have humming, uh, hockey coming back to the Northwest. What's the energy and excitement been like for you so far? It's I talk about it a lot. Um, it's not normal what is going on <laughs> in the city and, and how excited they are for the Kraken. And, um, you know, you can look as simple as our ticket drive sold out in 12 minutes. Um, and we 12 minutes, 12 minutes. I think they were expecting to be at least a couple weeks. Um, and, you know, the Todd Lewicki always says, uh, you know, the fans responded. Um, and so we have just been overwhelmed by the excitement. And, and certainly part of that is the Sonics um, and the history they have here and, you know, the potential that they can be part of, of what we're building. But people are buying into hockey. People are excited to, to learn about the sport, to learn that Seattle actually has a pretty rich history in hockey. Um, and we're excited to show it to them. Um, so we're, we've got a lot to do, but um, the partners, the fans, uh, everyone in the city is, is ready for this to happen. That was one of the things that really amazed me when I moved there because I didn't know a ton about Seattle. I had the job opportunity. It was an exciting move. You know, I was in my 20s. Um, I was born and raised in Boston, been on the East Coast my entire life. And you're used to that kind of passion and intensity on the East Coast. But everyone told me like, oh, your West Coast is different. Nobody's that intense or whatever. And I was amazed at how passionate the sports fans are in Seattle. They were crazy when the Seahawks were doing well when I was there. Mariners were winning 100, 100 plus games a year. Like the city was electric. And I, I just have to imagine like how crazy it is with the Kraken right now. So good for you guys. Let's talk about your role a little bit. Director of Corporate Partnership Activation. Sounds fancy, <laughs> sounds cool. I'm interested in it. Um, tell me a little bit more about what it means, your primary focus is, and what you love about the job. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, the simplest term, and uh, my boss always makes fun of me for selling it short, but in, in the simple terms, once a partner comes on board, um, I manage the day-to-day -day of that contract and that relationship and make sure that what we've sold in gets executed. Um, to expand on it, I've got a team of, of five. We actually just added our fifth manager a couple days ago, um, so we're fully staffed now, but a team of five. Everyone takes on uh, a handful of those partner relationships, and then I oversee um, a lot of them and, and come in and out of status meetings as needed or involved in projects as needed. But really, it's about executing those contracts, bringing them to fulfillment for the partner, delivering ROI. I mean, at the end of the day, the partner is doing this um, this investment to get something out of it. Um, and so we're really focused on what that is, hitting those marks and, you know, hopefully come renewal time, uh, making it an easy decision. Um, but yeah, so it's. It's been a little different uh, than probably this role in 31 other NHL teams and across every other sports league, but um, that's that's it in a nutshell. And I'd add on um, with everything we have to get done and the ramp up of hiring, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that was not in the job description uh, that has, <laughs> has made it a, a really cool experience, really unique experience. Uh, but I, our entire organization is in startup mode um, so everyone's taking on things that you never would have thought about um, when you when you took the job that you did. Yeah, it's so interesting to think of it that way and that and, and Seattle is so known for their startup and tech world right in that region anyway. But if you do think about it, it is. It's a startup and it's totally like new and fresh and things are happening that everybody's trying to coordinate and get together. That has to be exciting and challenging. Um, so. How did you land here? Like, like we all talk about this and our own little origination stories, but I mean, you start out a sports fan, you go and get a d degree at University of New Hampshire. We can get into those details a little bit later, but 
what led you down this path and getting to this point? Yeah, um, it's it's been a interesting path and probably a lot more direct than I ever would have guessed it could have been and, and probably what a lot of other people experience. Um, I was a hockey fan, if only because growing up in New Jersey when I did, the Devils were, were winning and I was aware of them and who doesn't want to follow a team that's winning. Right. Um, but it wasn't until I got to UNH that I really fell in love with the sport. Um, I was able to get an internship within the athletic department and somewhat by luck of the draw ended up uh, dedicated to the men's hockey program. Um, our internship covered all of UNH's ticketed varsity sports. So um, I could have just as easily ended up in basketball or volleyball, um, but was assigned to the hockey team, continued to, to fall in love with the really the business of the sport, the growth of it um, and, and what the culture of hockey is. So at that point, I knew it was something I wanted to continue to be involved in. Um, couple internships later, uh, some random connections later. Uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about networking and how it's not what everyone thinks it is. It's not necessarily LinkedIn connections and career fairs. Um, it was my high school sports marketing teacher who ended up putting me in touch with someone who put me in touch with someone who ended up getting me my job uh, with Genesco Sports. So um, once I got to Genesco, uh, I was working with the event activation group, GSC Live. I was there for a couple of years and I loved doing events. I loved kind of that game day rush and, and putting on a, a show, if you will. Um, but I always thought, you know, the consulting side is the sexy side. That's where you get to go to the events and schmooze clients and everything. And I ended up hating it. Um, oh, so really? I, I just I didn't like the, the middleman aspect of it. And, you know, certainly being um, a lower level agency employee, that's kind of your job is to route approvals and, and that type of stuff. And so I ended up going back to the event, the event side for my last couple of years at Genesco. Um, and that's where I truly started to, to get involved with the NHL. I uh, worked with Coors Light was our big client at the time. And we, uh, blew out their stadium series sponsorship. So we built a, um, a whole setup that we brought to all the fan fests, the all-star game, the winter classic stadium series. And, uh, to see that come to life was probably one of my my proudest moments. And to see Coors Light buy into it, um, it was all around sustainability and recycling. Um, and, and even to hear fans say, oh, there's the Coors Light game. You have to go try this. You know, it kind of it reinforced that that we had done something right. And that's where I started to make my league connections um, just by appearing at those league events to put on these different activations. Uh, and it was it was truly a joke. Um, I was talking to a woman that I knew at the league at the Chicago Fan Fest for the Winter Classic that was at um, Notre Dame. And she was asking me, you know, what what were my career aspirations? And I said, I'd, I'd always love to work for a team. It was a goal at some point. But jokingly, because Seattle had literally just been awarded the team, I said, the only team I know for sure is hiring is Seattle. Yeah. Throw away line, no big deal. A couple months later, she emails me and said, hey, Seattle's hiring for this job, and I thought of you. And oh my gosh, I love here it. I am. So it was uh, pretty, pretty unexpected. Um, I certainly didn't have plans to leave what I was doing and where I was doing it, but uh, a job like this comes along and uh, I was lucky enough to make it to the, the final interviews, come out to Seattle, see what this project was really about and um, when I got offered the job, there was there was no doubt about it. So um, it's been a wild ride, but uh, it all works out. I love like that seizing the moment type thing. We talk about that a lot in the sports industry. Is like you don't know when that opportunity or that moment or that that 
you know, that just that chance is going to come. And sometimes you just have to say, all right, I'm going for it. I mean, I remember for my first job, I got hired in it for a job in Atlanta. I had never been there before. And they're like, can you start in two weeks? And I was like, yeah, I can, you know, like you just pick up and go. Yeah. And that's part of the fun of the sports industry too, is that you just gotta, you gotta seize that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, like I said, it was uh, wild circumstances that got me from one place to the other. It was following my path and what I was passionate about. Um, you know, I, I visited Chicago as part of my first internship out of college, just because we were putting on an event there. And I said, wow, I could, I could live here. And so then it became, all right, what agencies have offices in Chicago? And that's yeah. how I found Genesco. And, um, you know, like I said, it was, it was a strange circumstance of, of connections that got me uh, to that point. But, um, you know, you, you follow what you're passionate about. And uh, I've been lucky enough to have it work out really well. That's it. That's it. Follow the passion, right? Uh, so, how would you define if you kind of categorize? You know, you're trying to explain to somebody outside of sports, or even sometimes inside of sports, because I'm not all that familiar with corporate partnership activation, and I've been in the industry for a long time. But if you're trying to explain it to somebody else, would you consider it more of a sales type role, more of a marketing type role, more of a customer service type role? How would you kind of categorize things in in corporate partnership activation? Because it kind of sounds like it touches on a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, I think all of the above. Um, yeah. Probably when I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm at a, a salon or something and they ask what I do, I tend to just throw marketing out there because it's something everyone understands and it's a big part of it. <laughs> That's true. Um, if I don't feel like explaining it further, but um, <laughs> no, it truly is all of the above. And uh, we, as our corporate partnerships department, are very keen on not separating activation and sales. I know that's a thing that goes on with with other teams and it's a very, there's a sales process and when the sales process is done, they hand it off to the activation team. Mm -hmm. And um, we are so focused on not having that wall between us and our activation managers are on sales calls. They're part of the legal process. um, And our sales guys are part of our activation process because again, when renewal time comes up, it's, it's gonna be a team effort to make sure that We've hit on everything we need to and um, how to convince our partners to, to stay on. So um, I, I certainly wouldn't define it as anyone. It's it's absolutely customer service. If you want to boil it down to the, the simplest part, it's making sure that our uh, our contacts and our partners are happy. Um, but, you know, when I'm explaining it to, to my grandmother, um, who really doesn't understand what I do, <laughs> she, uh, you know, she understands the, the partners have a financial element to our team. And it's about uh, providing that value. And, um, you know, especially with our situation right now, we don't have games, we don't have players, we don't have dashboards yeah. or commercials or those standard things. Uh, it really has taken on a different a whole different perspective of how you define that value. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think it's funny too. When I first was working in the sports media and my grandmother would ask me like, what are you doing? Like, what is it? And I'm like, if you turn on this channel, you might see me walk around in the background. How about that? You know, just like, let's keep this simple yeah, yeah, <laughs> for exactly. grandma so she can understand what's going on here. Um, so, okay, you're working with a bunch of corporations as they come on as new partners, make sure they have a successful relationship with the team. All makes sense. As you weigh that kind of process, is it more important? And I and I'm, I understand that levels of importance, everything's important. I get that. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking of trying to inform people who are maybe in college, you may head this direction. Is it important to really work on the relationship building and communication side of it? Or is it more important to be 
creative and and coming up with new ideas and broader strategies? How would you kind of weigh these things as somebody's weaving their way into this kind of a career path? Yeah, I think relationships is is the foundation. Um, you can get through any issue, any solution to to any solution um, if if you have a strong relationship. If they trust you, if they know that you have their best interests in mind, um, you're going to be able to get through those things. So I'd always lean back on those relationships. But when you talk about you know coming up with the ideas and and those strategies, I go back to uh, my one of my first mentors, uh, a guy I worked with at Genesco. Um, and we were planning an event for um, one of our partners at the time. And he said, you get all these people in the room and, and no offense to anyone who has an MBA, but they've got a bunch of MBAs and they're worried about what color this needs to be to make a person feel a certain way. And he's like, at the end of the day, it's about selling the product. And if you're not selling the product, if we're not encouraging people to go spend money on the product, then they're not going to have enough money to do this event again in the future. And so, you know, when I take any one of these deals, the first thing I want to do is, is I understand the business goals, certainly for the partner. I ask them why they're doing this. And, you know, we'll, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more, but the partners we brought on are so enveloped in what we have and what we're building from a community standpoint, from a DE&I standpoint, we are looking way outside those traditional assets. Uh, but at the end of the day, I need to make sure they're successful in business. And so any strategy we come up with, any idea we come up with, we're always looking back to that. Is this going to help their business succeed? And, you know, that's that's the bottom line of having a successful partner is at the end of it, they feel like they got that ROI, whether it's brand awareness, whether it's sales of products. Um, that's, that's what we benchmark at the start. Um, and we always come back to that at the end and show that success. Yeah. So you, as you've alluded to many times, and as everybody knows, you're still months away from acquiring players and truly forming a team. So you're in the structural phases in a lot of way. Mm -hmm. At this stage and for your role, how important was it to get that name and that brand, like being identified as the Seattle Kraken? It seems to me, from an outsider's perspective, that was a huge moment. And Climate Pledge Arena was a big moment because you really are establishing who you are. Is that Were those important moments for you guys as an organization? Of course, yeah. I think um, that's that's where we identify. That's We became, all right, let me start over. That's, of course, it was an important moment because that's where we built our brand. That's when we became who we are. But, you know, to say that was when we started uh, is probably underselling it. We had at least uh, 10, maybe uh, a dozen partners on board before we had a name. Oh, and really? we've had, I think our, our first partner was on board before I was on board. Um, so you talk about buying into an idea and a, and a belief of what's coming. No name. The arena was just starting to be under construction maybe a handful of employees uh, and and Symmetra, who's a local company out here in uh, life insurance, but is, is growing their brand, uh, bought in and they were our first founding partner. And uh, they, I think we sold them air. I mean, truly at that point, it was a whole bunch of, you know, we'll figure out what the assets in the contract are at some point, but for now <laughs> they wanted to, to be part of it. So um, the amount of partners, like I said, that we had on um, as NHL Seattle and as uh, new arena at Seattle Center. Um, you know, it was it was surreal, and uh, that's what's really given us this uh, this feeling that we're going to be so successful because people are buying in before we had that identity, 
And to have that moment, obviously, it was a huge moment. I think the partners were excited to be able to be with us in that moment as opposed to joining afterwards. Um, they got to help us reveal our name. They got to be part of the um, that release to their employees, to their uh, networks. Um, so it was it was an absolutely monster moment. And uh, I'll never forget, I got to be in the arena uh, as we unveiled this you know nine-story banner with the mark on it. Um, was such a cool moment. But to say it was the only moment would undersell everything that happened before that. It's so awesome, though. I love the Kraken <laughs> nickname. I think it is so fantastic. I, I like I want to buy so much gear like it's just it's probably all back ordered. But I need to I need to get on that because it I, needs to be I need to put it on display in my background or something. We're going to work on that. <laughs> we've been uh, we've been so I think we're second in merchandise sales. Uh, I love that. Like, it's not normal. I just I keep coming back to that, and I have these experiences yeah. where I'm like, this is not like you wait for the other shoe to drop, and it's not a the right mindset to have because everything's been so positive. But I'm just like, all right, this can't just keep being this good and this positive, and the yeah. fans are so excited, and the partners are are so bought in. Um, but it, you know, this ownership and and the people we have on staff here just continue to prove um, that it is uh, as good as it seems. It's got to be cool when you have that instant validation too. Like right away, the the logo gets released and everybody's buying it, like you said. And the team gets announced and everybody wants to be a part of it. Like it's just the the energy and the enthusiasm. It's got to feel good to just know we're hitting the mark. We know who the audience is. We know they're interested and want to be here. Like there's so much upside from here. That's got to yeah. just be so energizing. I remember the night before my interview, I'm in the hotel in Seattle and I'm just, you know, reading as much about what they've already accomplished and, and who the different players are um, with both Todd Lewicki and Tim Lewicki. And um, I remember reading an article, I think it was on ESPN, that talked about whether or not this franchise will succeed. And the whole article lays out what we talked about off the start, the passion in this market, the, you know, the... Uh, demographics in this market being good for hockey, the yeah. region, you've got the Canucks, you've got the Sharks, you've got Vegas, um, and all these reasons that it was going to succeed. And at the end of the article, they kind of had this moment, like, it, it has to succeed. Like, yeah. you you might have all these second guesses in other places, but all these things align. And I went into the interview, and one of my questions to uh, my interviewees was going to be, um, you know, what is your fear? Is What is the thing that gives you pause about this being successful? And I didn't feel good asking that question because in my mind, there was nothing that wasn't perfectly aligned for this situation to be successful. And um, to their credit, they said the same thing. They they said that everything so far has worked and uh, it's all the right people in the right place um, making the right things happen. So, uh, yeah, it, it feels good. I'm such a dork, too, that when I hear you saying that question, I'm thinking, I hope everybody's picking up on the fact that the day before your interview, you were researching and you were coming up with questions to ask. And I think that's where a lot of people in the process sometimes fall off as they get in and they just want to wing it. And they know that there's going to be questions they can ask at the end, but they haven't really thought about it. Like the fact that you were so intentional in the process, somebody like me gets excited about because it's like that's those are the moments like when you're in front of somebody for an interview, you have to be well researched. And you have to have questions that you want to ask at the end when they say, oh, hey, what questions do you have for me? <laughs> you got to be prepared yeah. for that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, it was, I mean, there were so many different players, to be honest. There's still a lot that I don't necessarily understand about how our organization is structured. We've got Oakview Group. We've got the hockey team. Um, but at the end of the day, it came down to uh, you look at the leadership and the success of Tim Lewicki and Todd Lewicki and their careers that there's yeah. there was no doubt that this was going to go well. Yeah, they're 
pretty smart guys. Yeah. Uh, okay, so when I first got into the sports broadcast media, I stopped being able to watch TV the same way. Like whenever I'd watch anything, all I'd see is edits and techniques and effects. And my wife was so annoyed. She just got so annoyed with me always talking about like, oh, that was a this or that was a that. And I just couldn't watch anything the same way. Has working in this world affected you the same way where like wherever you go for sports or whatever you're watching, like all you can see is activations and approaches and whose deals are on the dashboards or whatever else? Is that, is that Are you consumed by it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I'm lucky a lot of my friends and especially uh, my friends here in Seattle are also in the industry. So they get it and they watch games the same way. Um, I certainly have friends and family who are like, why do you insist on pointing out how long it took the stage to get set up during halftime of the Super Bowl? Like just watch the game. Um, but no, absolutely. Like we uh, I remember it's probably even a couple months ago. We were just starting to talk about our dashboard creative and, and starting to think about those things. And uh, we were watching a game as a team back when we were allowed to do things in person. Um, right. and we started talking about whose dashboards in whatever game we were watching were actually good, creative. And, you know, you think of like the Geico's and the Discover's um, are really good, bold logos on dashboards. And you look at other ones that are hard to read and you can't even tell what brand it is. And the fact that I can talk about that for as long as I have in this last 30 seconds is probably <laughs> a, a sign enough that uh, I do not watch hockey games for the hockey alone anymore. It's true though, but that's part of like, that's when you know that you've found something that you enjoy and want to do because you do think about it when you don't have to and you do notice these things. And that's part of, I think, what makes, I don't know, finding the right career and knowing you found your fit. Like that's the moments where you realize like, yeah, I've, I've found where I'm supposed to be. I think that's, a, that's an important part of all this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Obviously, as we've all referenced to the in-stadium lifestyle has changed a little over the last year. There isn't one. Um, it, you have time. None of us know what the future is going to hold. Everything could be different in the fall. Uh, how do those conversations go? And without getting too inside of your you know, conversations you can't really talk about, I just mean on a kind of grand scale, how do those conversations go with potential corporate partners? Are they excited? Obviously, we know some are excited, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you've had some come before they even knew what they were going to get. Um, but are there some that are hesitant because they don't really know what's happening out there or how it's going to play out? Or in general, are you seeing there is so much enthusiasm for live sports, there's so much enthusiasm for where things are headed, and the Seattle market is just primed and ready? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think we all have the concerns that we have to have as, as the human race and going through what we have over the last year. Um, but I don't think we feel that pressure necessarily. I'd argue we had that pressure before COVID even hit, right? We had partners who were coming on board and they probably did feel a little bit of anxiety of, all right, how much money am I paying? And you don't have a team name yet and you don't have an arena yet. And when is that stuff going to happen? And, um, you know, then all of a sudden we thought we were pretty close to announcing our team and, and COVID hit. And it's like, okay, well, can we really do this right. while this is going on? And then, you know, so all the, the social injustice um, and the Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter movements that happened over the summer. It's like, well, you know, we don't really want to announce our team name during this. Like, we don't want to take the spotlight away from, from this right. movement that's happening. So there was a lot of unknowns. And all that aside, we still were having to come up with value for partners without an arena and without games. So I think we were always... Um, uh, we were always confident that the partners were buying in. And so, yes, we've gone through all of this um, and, and we're still going through it, but I think we're all ready. And, and I certainly have um, so much excitement for when live sports and entertainment comes back. I think 
we as a, a society have that excitement and that just means the partners um, feel the same way. And sure, we'll figure out the logistics if the building isn't full or, um, you know, whatever, whatever might play into it, um, we'll make it work. And that's, you know, we go back to that relationship building. They know they, that we have their best interest in, in mind and um, we're going to do what's right and we're going to make the right decisions for our organization, for our partners, for our fans. And from there, it's trust and we'll, uh, we'll put on the best event. And hopefully it's 17,000 people in that building on opening night. Um, and, you know, anything else from there, we, we figure out when it comes. Fingers crossed for that. Oh, gosh, I think we're all hoping for that. Um, how much do you look at other NHL expansion teams, especially Vegas, right, mm-hmm. most, most recently, to see what worked and what didn't? Or are you guys just doing this your own way, not taking too much from that? Like, where, where does the inspiration come from? It comes from everywhere. I mean, certainly, you know, Vegas is, is an easy thing to, to look at, and it's probably too easy. Um, we look across the entire league. We look across sports as a whole. We look across the event and entertainment industry. We look even beyond that. Uh, hopefully people have caught on that we're trying to do things differently. We don't want to just follow in the mold of 31 other hockey teams. Um, and you even look at the demographics of our staff, and I think it's over 40% of our, our VPs are female. and. More importantly, you look at their backgrounds, I'd say a majority of them, uh, maybe it's balanced out a little bit at this point, don't come from sports. And we've brought people with different backgrounds, uh, with different perspectives, so that we can look at it differently. So certainly we'll look at, at the Vegases of the world, the other hockey teams, just to know what's out there. But we take our inspiration from as many different perspectives as possible. And uh, it's what allowed, has allowed us to do things differently. And I think we've gotten a lot of credit for that so far. Um, And we will continue to push the envelope and uh, break new boundaries in terms of how a professional sports franchise can be run. I love that wide angle lens, just looking everywhere you can for ideas, inspiration, ways to execute. I mean, it's just, it's the way you have to approach things. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't be too siloed or too blinders on. You got to see what's happening out there and see all the time. Like, can this apply to us? Should this apply to us? Is this something we can turn into action? Um, that's kind of exciting too, right? To kind of just get inspiration wherever you can. So what would you say are the hidden skills needed for your role? And what I mean by that is, you know, is it, somebody might not know this on a surface level, but it's really important to be good at budgets or it's really important to be good at understanding contracts or project management or like, what are those skills that really define the role that may not be those glamour parts of like sitting across in a boardroom talking to somebody or or having some sort of uh you know fun uh you know in stadium event or whatever what are those hidden skills i i've learned a lot of it's patience uh and and (laughs) being able to to understand um you know what what the objectives are of any given group i think um I, i don't know that there's specific skills certainly there's budgeting certainly there's project management and i think all of that just comes from being an, an organized, thoughtful person who can look at a big picture and, and see what the, the next steps are or see what needs to get done in order for this goal to be achieved. Um, so I don't know if there's specific skills. I personally consider myself very organized. Um, you know, I, I'm very task oriented. So in those, in those ways, um, I'd say those are my skills. But I think it's being able to be uh, solution oriented um, is, is a big one. And that just comes from listening to all the different uh, opinions and um, you know, feelings that are at a, at a table 
and how do you work through all of those to make sure you get to the desired outcome and um, that applies across any number of the the project or specific tasks that I have is um, you know and going back to doing things differently um, we don't necessarily want to uh, have those tasks be the same ones that uh, every other person has done before like how do we find mm -hmm. that new solution um, and how we find that new new way to to accomplish this task so um, I don't have a great answer other than to say be open-minded and solution-oriented. I think that's a great answer. I'm totally right, down with that. Uh, so in normal times, from what I remember, since it seems like it's been a really long time <laughs> since I could even say normal times, um, your role, as you mentioned earlier, you're going to work cross-functionally with a lot of other departments, right? You don't have those walls built between uh, and, you know, sales, business development, marketing, community relations. But everyone at the Kraken is pretty new. And we're in this pandemic where you're working remote or you're not maybe having the same interactions you may have before. How challenging has that part been with a, a new staff in a startup kind of environment trying to still get things done? But, you know, it, there's some benefits to working next to somebody and understanding how they work and you're missing out on that. So how challenging has that been to, to work as effectively as you possibly can? I think it's probably the thing that's been the hardest. Um, you know, we joke when we left, we had our, our Monday morning all staff meetings and we all fit in the conference room at our offices. And then, you know, that was that was around when I first started, um, so fall of 2019. And then coming into the spring, we were starting to expand and you had people standing around the outside and a couple people in the hallway. Um, and then March hit and we all started going remote and now it became Zoom calls. and. We're over 100 people now uh, yeah. on these Zoom calls on Monday mornings. And so there's no way we all would have fit in the conference room. But the amount of people who either haven't even moved to Seattle yet, I've certainly never met in person, maybe have not even talked to directly, um, is, is so challenging, if only from a culture building standpoint, let alone when you think about the work we're actually trying to accomplish. But uh, when you look at the people that we've hired and, and the directives from above in terms of of that culture fit, um, every person we've hired has been incredible and everyone's working through these challenges um, and we're, we're gonna get it done. So there's no concerns about that. And so it just means uh, everyone works a little bit harder and everyone spends a little bit more time on Zoom than they want to. And, um, you know, occasionally where we can have a, a social distance in-person meeting to, to be able to work through certain problems, we can do that. Um, certainly as restrictions get better, we. You know, we look forward to how do we get people back in the office and, and be able to work through that. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it goes back to everyone in this organization is working towards the same thing. Everyone knows how much work everyone has on their plate. So it's being respectful of that. Um, I think it's, you know, you work through processes with the, the four people that are in a department and then all of a sudden they hire four more and now you got to kind of reevaluate uh, mm -hmm. how you've been doing it. So it's it's just being flexible and um it's certainly the the biggest hurdle we've faced, but um, you know the the day we're all able to come back, we say it's gonna be like the first day of school. You gotta go around, and there's gonna be so many people you don't know. And what do you do here? And how do we uh, figure out how we work together? Yeah, but it's like, oh, you're way taller than I thought you were. I <laughs> or, or the, you look it's a lot different. Wild. <laughs> it's wild. The amount of times that I've had that exact experience, or actually, our, our VP of marketing is quite tall. And she and I have had a handful of in-person meetings um, with, with Amazon as we work through the naming rights deal. And every time someone new comes up and they just look at her like, oh, wow, like, would never have guessed that because I've only ever seen you on this I've only two ever by seen three you from the shoulders screen. up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's so much fun and you just get to uh, 
meet so many different personalities. Those are the other challenges. You've only seen people from the shoulders up, and then you meet them in person, and you they have a hat on and a mask on, and you're like, are you the person that uh, yeah, you have are? I, I have, do I know you? I'm, I'm you know, no I'm whoever. Yeah, uh, but yeah, funny. it's, you know, we've we've got an incredible culture, and that starts from, from Todd Laiwiki. So um, with that mindset, it's, it's hard to think that uh, it won't be successful. That's awesome. It's so great to hear. Let's finish up with this, and I appreciate your time so much, and it's just so great to hear from you and, and learn more about the role, but also more about the, the Kraken and what's happening there in Seattle, because I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, you went to UNH, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, you graduated with a degree in marketing and sports studies. What were you at that time feeling prepared for, and what have been kind of the big surprises to you as you've gone through your sports career? It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I knew broadly I wanted to work in sports and, and specifically sports business. I don't know that I really knew what that meant. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things, and I've I've talked to actually even earlier this week, some students who are at uh, at UNH now in the program, and actually the program's evolved a ton since I was there. Um, the major, as it was defined then, with incorporated sports business, it incorporated coaching and administration, it incorporated like physical education. So um, to see that it's really become more finite uh, is is great because that was probably my biggest unknown is, okay, sports business, what does that even really mean? And um, mm -hmm. what I, I probably couldn't even told you what event activation was uh, when I was at UNH before I started doing it at Genesco. Um, but what I challenged myself to do was read as much um, when you think of like the sports business journals, the event marketers, all these industry publications. And every time I found a company name that I didn't know, I'd go look up what they did. Because if anything, you're broadening the places that might hire you. Um, but that's how that I found so <laughs> event activation. Um, you know, I at the time, I didn't know that all these huge businesses and these brands had sports departments inside their companies. Like, it's Coors Light has an entire like sports and entertainment team. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when you realize that it just incredibly broadens uh, the perspective of what the industry is, um, but also for forces you to find that niche um, that you're interested, um, which is not something that I was prepared for uh, necessarily, but um, certainly felt like I had all the right tools and um, probably what I mentioned earlier in terms of networking and thinking that my life revolved around going to every career fair that came through town, uh, when in fact, uh, it's more about who you might already know um, and, and those relationships. I love it. It's such great advice. And in just really being intentional with all those contacts and the people you do meet, it's not about having 5,000 connections. It's about having the right 10 or 15, mm -hmm. right? You know, like getting to know, and, and I love the advice there of just, you know, if I come across an industry or a, or a place I hadn't heard of before, I'm going to figure them out. And how do they fit into the sports industry? What do they do? Like it takes a little bit of effort, yeah. but those things really pay off in the long run. Allison, thank you so much. I am thrilled for this conversation. Can't wait to publish this one. I know our audience is going to love it. So thank you so much for telling us more about the Kraken and your career. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, super excited to, to be able to share it. And uh, we look forward to sharing as much as, as we can over the next couple of months, but really hopefully come October when this team hits the ice, uh, it's just going to be a whole new world. I'm going to gear up. I'll tell you that right now. We'll make that happen. We can make that happen. Thank you so much to Allison for coming on the show. 
I think it's so unique to have stories like this we can tell because there aren't always a lot of expansion teams in pro sports. There aren't many examples of being a startup at the professional level like the Kraken are doing right now. We had on Brian Killingsworth, the CMO of the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of years back, and I found that so insightful just to learn about their process going from you know nothing to a, a functioning NHL team and to get that vision again from Ali and really understand what goes into this whole process was just really, really enjoyable for me, and I hope it was for you as well. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please make sure you subscribe. Check out our YouTube channel. We're being a lot more active there, so if you want to check out Work in Sports YouTube channel, I'd love that. Uh, it's great to start to build up some of our subscriber base there as well, try to give you some unique looks on things, and uh, just thanks for being a part of our community and our show. All right, everybody, let's get back to work. 